Hi, my name is Benala Sarami. I'm the host to the Pharmacogenomics for Pharmacists podcast on one of the largest pharmacy podcast network. When I was a student in pharmacy school, I was doing research with Washington University, going to people's homes that are age over 65 who are homebound, looking at all their medications. And I realized all these patients are on the same medications, but they have different side effects or advantages to them. So when I stumbled upon pharmacogenomics, I realized that was the missing piece of why everyone was acting different with the medication. It's all the genetic. So I'm a pharmacogenomics coach and I'm also a medical science liaison for a pharmacogenomics company. I create content on pharmacogenomics, educating providers and sales rep to provide more information on the value of pharmacogenomics and implementation of that piece. If you're looking for a pharmacogenomics coach, I can be reached on LinkedIn and also to listen on PGX for Pharmacists podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the social media platforms as well. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast with Dr. Christina Madison. Dr. Madison's mission is focused on spreading knowledge about public health to create better communities. The Public Health Pharmacist is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Dr. Christina Madison uh, from the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Today, I have another amazing guest, uh, Ali Shu all the way from Australia, just in time for International Podcast Day. So, Ali, please tell us a little bit about yourself and the fact that we are connected all the way across the globe because of LinkedIn, which is amazing, right? Like the power (laughs) of connection. (laughs) Yeah, love that. Love that. Well, Thank you for having me on the show, Christina. Hello, everyone. My name is Ali. I was born in China and now live in Australia. I moved to Australia when I was 16 years old. Um, and I'm a pharmacist in Australia as well as studying for Chinese medicine. Um, also, I run my own media company in Australia. So I have my podcast. I also host podcast for Australia's largest recruitment. Uh, pharmacy and medical recruitment company um, for their podcasts, interviewing industry leaders in Australia. Well, that is a fantastic resume. So um, just wanted to maybe start a little bit with like your journey, right? So obviously you said that you have a media company, so uh, you're a pharmacist by training, but currently you are doing your business full time. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So tell Um, us a little bit about how you got started in that and how you decided to maybe leave pharmacy, but still have a connection. Yeah, I'm still registered as a pharmacist in Australia. And um, I guess at this stage, my connection with pharmacy world is interviewing um, pharmacy students, early career pharmacists or pharmacy leaders, you know, industry leaders to really understand the pharmacy industry and help our student early career pharmacists to excel and have a successful pharmacy career. I think that's something I 
I'm really curious about because when I was in pharmacy working on the ground, I was feeling frustrated, confused that, and I was so tired working day in and day out, but not really see how I can progress um, in the industry, especially in the community pharmacy sector. Um, so now I'm in this position, I get to ask all the questions, you know, find my own um, podcast guests and should really understand what's out there, what more opportunities out there other than community pharmacy or hospital pharmacy for our Australian pharmacists and students. Um, so yeah, I'm passionate about that project. So that I'm host for this particular podcast. Uh, speaking of my media company, yes. So because I can speak both languages, Chinese is my first language and English is my second language. Um, for my um, media company, I have both platforms in China as well as in Australia to be able to produce shows in both languages, uh, podcasts in both languages. Um, how I got to that, because since I was really, really young, I loved the world of voice. Audio audio world is, is huge um, since I was really little. You know, I listened to radio, listened to music, listened to stories growing up all the time. I realized um, I can really access the world to hear different voice and hear their, their inner world, their thoughts. Um, when I'm in the audio world, when you look at a picture, when you look at a video, you may see that person, but not actually understanding or hearing what they're thinking, that their thought process. So I, I'm always really fascinated with this audio world. And since I have an opportunity in the pharmacy world to, to interview people, I guess it all started from uh, last year, I founded the Global Pharmacy Entrepreneur Community and I started to interview pharmacists around the world because I was frustrated, we were in lockdown. I was, yeah, I was a bit <laughs> confused. I think all of us were, it wasn't just you. You were a lovely um, beacon of hope, my dear. Um, I really enjoyed going to those meetings. Yeah, so that really helped me connect, you know, speaking of connection, that podcasting process really helped me to connect with myself, as well as connecting with people around the world, um, especially pharmacists, really understanding their struggles, their wings, their more opportunities, what they're going through. And, you know, it's it's been a year um, since my first episode and now I've definitely grown and I've done a lot of inner work, self-development, understand myself a lot better um, and really find my own voice. I think that's the biggest piece I um, wanted to share with everyone is when I was younger, you know, I was born in a Chinese family. I was always told I'm not allowed to do a lot of things, not allowed to even speak really loud in the public, uh, you know, speaking really loudly. That's my family. Always had to behave or have to study hard, uh, not allowed to do a lot of things. And I, I was not allowed to pursue my own uh, passion or dream, uh, not really understanding who I align with, who I really am. So I didn't really have my own voice. Growing up, I always followed the steps of my forefathers. I'm, I'm, I was born in the generation, four generation of medical family. They're all medical doctors. 
and the other half are artists. So they're all very studious um, in a way in their own profession. I sort of was- You're such to... a lovely mix of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can I can see that the creative side really pulls me all the time <laughs> from the logical <laughs> thinking. And it's, it's a great combination. Um, but yeah, so growing up, I was not allowed to have my own voice. I was, I had to follow the four, you know, steps of, of my father, great father, but through this process of podcasting or through this process of, you know, finding myself and connecting with the world, as well as connecting with my inner self, I've really find my unique voice. Um, cause being a Chinese born Australian living in Australia early on, you know, in my teenage years, I was really confused, my true identity. I didn't know, should I sound more Australian? Should I, or, you know, the, the group of Chinese people live in Australia, my family, they are Chinese in Australia. Do I behave more like a Chinese, behave more like Australian? I was, you know, this identity crisis confusion. So I really didn't really have my unique voice um, until now. I finally be able to, you know, I think media company is a, is a result of that, be able to launch myself into the world and really speak out loud what I'm about, what I'm passionate about and connect with people. I've realized only when I'm stepping out, then I can really find people that's like-minded. Um, you know, Christina. Exactly. A hundred percent. So interesting that you say that because obviously, um, you know, we chatted, um, because my spouse speaks uh, fluent Mandarin and it's very interesting (laughs) because I, I get the whole identity crisis thing because my husband is Caucasian, but he speaks with like no accent, like his, you know, his, his Chinese is very, good Chinese. yeah his Chinese is very good like it's funny because like some people like I'll close my eyes I'm like you sound like old Chinese man right like it's (laughs) not the same right but like having that identity crisis the fact that we have two young children that are biracial that will speak Chinese with their father right like that is an identity crisis right because Mm -hmm. I think that goes against the grain and really shows how unique and how much of a unicorn we can (laughs) all be right yeah so uh so with that being said um I want to know where did the name of your media company come from where was the uh the inspiration yeah. for that. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, my media company is called Unicorn Fart Media. Um, so Unicorn, um, as I always feel that I'm like a unicorn that's, you know, stands out. But the fart part is that I always felt that I'm holding this fart, holding something inside of me that I'm not letting it out for some reason. And that's really making me sick over the years. Um, just like holding fart, when you're holding a fart for a long time, you you know, you feel it. Um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And, and the fact that this fart could smell bad, you know, fart can smell bad, but but may not smell, but the, the, the fact that it's embarrassing to let your fart out, it's embarrassing to, to let yourself be who you truly are 
when, but the moment when you let your thought out, you feel complete, you know, at peace. You feel comfortable. You feel aligned. Um, and it's you're like back to the healthy state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so release. that's what I'm trying to describe. Um, and that's all my work is about is, is really releasing your thought. Let the embarrassment, let the, the things you think is embarrassing out so you can be in, in peace with yourself, align with yourself and be the authentic self, have your unique voice. And until you find your authentic self, you can't really find that uniqueness, unique voice. You will just be trying to mimic everyone else, be the same. But this world doesn't need another you know, machine, another replica, <laughs> replica of someone else. The world needs you. The world is dying to get to know you, your creativity, your uniqueness. And I mean, that described me as this weird, unique combination um, existing in this world. A lot of conflicts, a lot of struggles, but I've realized this is who I am. And I want to share that. I want to really let my light shine. And unicorn farts, beautiful rainbows and cupcakes and happiness. And that's what I want is life doesn't have to be a struggle. You know, life can be happiness at all times. (laughs) Yeah, I so resonate with that. It's amazing that you say that, you know, because I think oftentimes as women in particular, we are often suppressed right? Like our voices are suppressed. We're told, you know, to know our place or know, you know, you should only be spoken, speak, speaking when spoken to, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I remember that as a young child um, and as a woman of color, you know, I think that it, it is also very challenging to feel like I can be my authentic self because of stereotypes around, you know, black women being aggressive or being angry or, you know, you know, whatever you want to label it, right. There's always something that society will tell you that you shouldn't do. Right. But I, Mm. I think that this thought process around authenticity and understanding how to share your share your, your light and to share your gifts with the world, I think is amazing. And part of that is that when you do things like podcasting, it's like the great equalizer because everybody is the same on a podcast, Mm. right? Like it's just your voice. So Mm. in theory, there should be no discrimination. There should be no racism. There should be no sexism. There should be no uh, ageism, right? In theory, right? That's the goal. But I do think that it does kind of, you know, average or equal out the playing field because, you know, in theory, we could all have a podcast, right? So you were talking about this really coming Mm -hmm. to light for you during the pandemic. And I would say the same thing for myself. You know, when I first started doing, um, you know, these public health focused episodes, it was during the lockdown. Mm -hmm. You know, this was back in, you know, March and April of 2020 when we had nowhere to go. And I didn't know who was going to listen to what I had to say, but I just felt like it needed to be said. Right. And that's, the beauty of podcasting. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And 
your voice carries a lot of emotions, your experiences, and your inner that tenderness. Uh, you know, really tells a lot outside of the words you're speaking. So you know, when you hear someone's voice, you can really get to experience, and also your let you you get to let your imagination go wild. If you're seeing something, then it's set for you. You don't really have much interpretation. Well, you can, but compared to voice, voices you just have sound, but you get to paint the whole picture through that voice, through that sound, as well. So you, if um, I'm not sure whether I'm articulating well, but um, yeah, I'm I'm doing a lot of Chinese audio books at the moment. It's a lot of times that the voice while you're reading the book, you're really painting a picture for that listener. And that closeness, that connection, is beautiful. When the world is so diverse, we're so far away, even though we live right next to each other, that when you're hearing someone, someone's voice in the microphone, you feel that they're right there with you, right next to you. So absolutely, I mean, yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, and you have such a unique voice because I think that you know you really have taken on some of those cultural changes from living in Australia. You know, you have, you, you have this beautiful speaking voice that, you know, is very articulate in, in English, but I'm sure just as articulate in Chinese. And um, for me, I would think how interesting would that be to like, you know, listen to someone who speaks my native tongue, but then has this very unique accent, you know, that's so unique, right? Uh, I I would think that that would be so fantastic. So, but yeah, um, I did have, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. So that, that was actually one of my uh, fat moment is, is my language of, you know, the moment not finding, not be able to find my voice is, is because my accent or because of English is my second language that I'm not able to articulate well enough compared to native you know, speaker. And that, that really, that, you know, English really stops me from expressing myself because of my, I'm self-conscious of what if I used the wrong grammar, what if said the wrong thing, what if I'm stuck, I really don't know, like don't know which word to use. You know, for so long, I, you know, I just stop speaking because I'm so afraid of being laughed at by other people, looked down by other people ashamed of myself because I, I can't really express myself well with this new language, especially early in my teenage years. But, um, but over time now, I've realized, hey, this, this is why I'm so unique. You know, admit that English is my second language. You know, I'm constant learning through talking to people. I'm constantly picking up new words, but it doesn't stop me from using it doesn't stop me from expressing myself, doesn't stop me from living and really shine my light. So the moment I realized, yeah, it's, if, if people want to laugh at me, that's fine. If people want to judge me, I think it was a lot of self-judgment. Um, once I let my own self-judgment go, that's when I let my fart go and be comfortable with it. That's incredible. So, you know, being all the way on the other side of the world, I think, you know, people here in the U.S. 
don't understand that, you know, we're all dealing with the pandemic kind of in a different slightly different ways, but that we're all dealing with it. Right. So I'm just curious. Um, you know, you guys are getting ready to head into your summer. We're getting ready to head into our fall here. Um, you know, what, what do you think, you know, your country is experiencing? Do you feel that, that you guys have been able to handle things? Well, do you feel comfortable with sort of the changes that have happened? Because obviously in some instances, it's brought us closer together because, you know, we can have meetings with people across the globe, but then in other ways, it's kind of made us more separate because we can't do as many things in person safely. I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts? Like what's the sentiment in Australia versus, you know, obviously me who lives here and we're dealing with ICU rates going up. We've got people you know, more and more cases, you know, we're over 600,000 deaths, you know, it's, it's still very much a part of our everyday fabric. And, and I don't think that in the U S I don't think that everyone is on board with that, like collective good aspect mm -hmm. of what public health is that we all need to do something in order to make it better for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think we all have, yeah, public health is is about to get on this. We all have part to play. Um, you know, speaking of Australia, I live in Queensland. Our state had really good record. Um, you know, we had odd one or two cases. Um, and we had, when Delta first hit, uh, we had a period of time, a week of lockdown um, when we had a few cases and our premier just decided to go in lockdown so everyone's not going out and staying at home. I think everyone's living here all really happy to cooperate. We know if it's all for the better good. So now we only have like one active case or two, you know, really odd, you know, three, you know, it's a few single digit cases so I think that's why you see me posting photos on the beach and going outside going for a run yeah I go out for a run every day um, um yes I think I'm very fortunate you know in my state um compared to other in Melbourne Sydney their states they have like a thousand active case um they, they, they've been in lockdown for a month, I think. I stopped listening to the news. <laughs> so oh, okay. my stats may not be up to date, really. Um, so forgive me if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, I think a lot of it is to do with our own, um, in, you know, conscious choice of protecting ourselves, wearing masks and, you know, washing our hands, you know, yeah you know, change your clothes when you get home, you know, the outside clothes, you know, be, be really, be careful, protecting yourself, your family. While you're doing that, you're protecting other people as well. Um, I, I also think that in, you know, in Asian cultures, wearing a mask was always part of the culture, you know, like, yeah, I feel yeah. like it was very much um, something that was not like this big shift or change, which is very strange to me here in the United States that we've got such 
a, a resistance to mask wearing, right? Because when you look at, you know, like the rates of like asthma exacerbation and, you know, the rates of flu basically like went to like nothing, right? Like, and it yeah. was because of mask wearing. And, you know, you, you think of like places in Asia. So like, I think about, you know, the summer that I went to, to Tokyo, everybody wore a mask on the Metro. Like it was not, I mean, this was, you know, six, seven years ago, and it was not uncommon to see people wearing masks, especially in high congregate settings where there were a lot of people because it was a common courtesy, right? So like if you felt sick or if you had a cough, you would wear a mask, or if you are somebody who has a medical condition or is immunocompromised, you would wear a mask to protect yourself. And so it's just really interesting to me how this has been such a touch point within the U.S. culture when it's not no big deal in other cultures. Do you see, did you see that in Australia or did people just wear masks and it wasn't a big deal? I think at the beginning it was hard to, it was a shock, a culture shock as well, wearing masks. Um, I think the main reason in Asia country is because we all live so closely together mass population live in a small area. So the only way to protect ourselves is wearing masks um, so that not letting things spread. Yeah, and also, well, I don't know, I can only speak for Chinese uh, people because I'm, I'm Chinese, <laughs> um, that we are, we are very scared. There's a lot of fear, I think, and we are scared of we could catch something um, because I guess in the past it's, it's really you know, easy to catch something from the community if you don't protect yourself well enough. So we're always, um, each family will, you know, protect ourselves well. When we all do that individual family, then sort of you, as a community, you won't have so much things spreading around. I guess that's that's our habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even eating... Uh, chopsticks if we're eating in a family we use a um, mutual or you know chopstick specifically for taking food out instead of using our own chopsticks oh so, I didn't know that's that. like a public health policy it's totally public health thing. yeah yeah it makes so much sense yeah that's crazy yeah back I then we had hep, hep b or like hep a hep, hep yeah hep a sorry yeah hep a uh, was was bad in China, so it become a habit in a family. Mm. Use your own sets of calories. Wow, you just taught me something new today, and I thought I knew a lot about <laughs> public health. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting. I'm trying to try to think. Um, so I guess yeah, that's the culture difference, but also because as as a community we suffered in the past so we learned our lesson so that we know that it's important to to follow the rules <laughs> um and uh, i guess at the start in australia like people we didn't have enough mask in the community mm-hmm. um, i guess that's why people are not wearing it so they're saving all the mask for healthcare professionals in the hospital until then we get more supplies then now everybody's wearing it it's mandatory to wear a mask police actually will uh, you know stop you if you're not wearing a mask they, they they will initially give you a warning they hand out mask for you if you get two or three warnings then you get fined i can't remember how much it's like oh yeah. wow you might actually get fined 
That's crazy. And also when we had a lockdown, if people are still driving on the road, police will stop you and Mm. ask where you're going. Is that necessary? Is it a a essential trip to buy your supplies? Um, And also our borders between states, our borders are still closed at the moment um, because New South Wales has big outbreak at the moment. So my state, Queensland, our our border is closed. You you have to have exemption papers to actually go through borders. Um, Wow. There's cases of truck drivers driving from state to state to actually bring positive cases in. Also, there's um, there was one stage that we're not we're dis, we're not encouraged to order online, buy online things because delivery drivers or Australia Post drivers actually caught COVID moving from door to door delivering. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, but overall, I think our our state is doing really well. We we'll get to enjoy the sunshine, the beach because summer is coming. You know, so much better outside. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the other thing too, is that the outdoor activities we know are so much more safer, especially if the weather permits, you know, like Mm -hmm. you've got the ultraviolet light from the sun, Mm -hmm. you've got much better ventilation. So, you know, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the United States because we're getting ready to enter into cooler temperatures. And then that means more people are going to be inside and possibly in less ventilated spaces. So, you know, we're already having challenges with Delta, just like you mentioned, but I think it's just a matter of time that if you have continuous circulating virus, it's just going to breed the next variant, right? Because the virus just wants to make more babies, makes more copies of itself. And so if we allow it to do that, it's going to continue to try to outsmart, you know, our immune systems. It's going to try to outsmart our vaccination, so yeah, it's, it's definitely different. I, I wish if there was one wish that I had from, from my ability here would be to be able to go to places like where you are, right? Like that don't have as many cases, but the part of the reason why you don't is because you guys were very mindful about closing your borders and really wanting to make sure that you contained the issue. Um, and so, you know, I hope that we can get to a point where we can say we only have a handful of cases, uh, here in the United States. Um, you know, we have a very active tourism, uh, industry here in Las Vegas. And so we have people here that come here from all over the world and, uh, you know, it, it's part of our economy. It's part of how we make money and it does breed its own level of, you know, of risk. And so I think right now the country has decided that that's an acceptable level of risk, even though those of us who work in public health and advocate for public health don't really feel like it's an acceptable risk because we see the young children getting sick. We see our ICUs filling up. We see people who were vaccinated that are now having breakthrough cases because the unvaccinated people are getting them sick, right? So it does make it a little bit stressful, but ultimately, you know, having the ability to curl up with a good podcast and maybe be able to escape for a little while will help us all keep our sanity. 
Yeah, I think also uh, emotion is really important. I mean, from a Chinese medicine point of view, your emotion directly affects your organs. You know, the virus will have to go through your immune system uh, to to enter in. But if you're uh, depressed or angry or sad, it directly affects your organ and does way bigger damage than, you know, walking outside. So I would say, you know, even... I think, you know, do things that make you happy. You know, if you if you you can only stay inside, then I don't know. My parents being tendering to their gardens, and then they they actually have fruits, uh, you know, growing from that garden. That, that keep them happy. So, you know, whatever that makes you happy. I think what made me happy is connecting with people online. I get to meet so many different people and hear different stories that keep things interesting. So that emotion is really, really important. You see, uh, because I also work in Chinese medicine clinic now, I see a lot of patients, the emotion state has has been deteriorating, depressed, a lost job and sad, lost family members, uh, disconnected from family members. Um, that itself, the emotion, negative emotion itself actually caused more damage than the the percentage of, of the chances or the risk you actually can get COVID. So, and also fear breeds a lot of lowers immunity. So, you know, focus on happy thoughts, unicorn thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, yeah. That's uh, amazing. So, Allie, this has been such a lovely conversation. Uh, if the listeners want to find out more about you or want to connect with you, where should they go? Yeah, I'm on all social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, um, by the name of Ali Su, Ali Xu in Chinese pronunciation, A-L-L-I-E-X-U. So yeah, reach out. Love to hear your stories. Let your light shine. Let your fart out. <laughs> and with that, um, I don't think I can come up with a better ending other than that. This has been amazing. And again, a perfect way to celebrate International Podcast Day. So thank you so much, Ali. And I look forward to connecting with you again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Time is our most precious asset. And we thank you for spending your time with us and Dr. Madison, the public health pharmacist. Learn more at thepublichealthpharmacist.com.